Welcome once again to Cinemaholics. We are doing an extra review for you all this week, and we wanted to make sure that you were able to hear this review in its own episode because it's just easier that way. So Will and I watched a movie called Bros. And on the Smile episode, which came up before this, we kind of talked a bit already about like the box office, you know, not being super great for this movie. But now let's just review it. Uh, If you want to hear our thoughts on like the box office reaction, just listen to the first like 10, 15 minutes of the Smile episode and you'll get that. It'll be great. Sure. But yeah, we can allude to it a little bit, you know, so like the short version is that this is a an LGBT romantic comedy. It's a bit raunchy. It's like R rated. And it's yeah. from Nicholas Stoller. It's, mm-hmm. you know, Billy Eichner, you know, it's kind of his like passion project. He stars in the yeah. film and he also uh, co-wrote it along with Nicholas Stoller. And uh, this is a uh, Judd Apatow co-produced it with Nicholas Stoller and Joshua Church. This is from uh, Stoller, of course, did Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Neighbors. Uh, this is, I think, uh, I looked it up. So it's, it's the fourth LGBTQIA plus romantic comedy by like a major studio like one of the big ones right and it's only the second lgbtqia plus movie to have like an openly queer principal cast and the first movie to ever do it is fire island which also came out this year so pretty well also um yeah. yeah i mean also written by its primary main star yeah i mean it, the bottom line is that there just haven't been a lot of LGBT movies that have been given this chance, right? That have been given this like ticket or this access to like, okay, let's mainstream this, you know, out uh, into really like a massive distribution from one of the big studios. And it doesn't hold back at all from, you know, the main characters are gay, their friends are gay. Like it's just very LGBT and all that. So this premiered at the Toronto National Film Festival and it's now in theaters. But as we talked about, despite really good reviews, um, despite them, you know, we can say like the the marketing and the really strategy was not so great, but uh, they put a lot of money into the marketing for sure. And yeah, great reviews. People who are watching it are definitely reacting really positively to it. However, it only grows $4.8 million in its opening weekend, even though it's off of a $22 million budget. But what do we think of the movie? And you know, as I said, critics liked it. And I'll be honest. So, like, uh, actually, first, let's say what it's about. So, the movie, as we mentioned, it stars uh, Billy Eichner as, you know, our kind of like typical, right, uh, kind of like romantic comedy character who he he's, I think, 40 at this point in his life. Uh, he has like a famous podcast kind of radio show sort of thing called the, the yeah. 11th Brick at Stonewall, which is funny. Yeah. Yeah. Million subscribers, he says. So, that's pretty famous. <laughs> that is a lot yeah. of subscribers. Right. Like, he's kind I of, say- I think. He's definitely like a New York podcaster. I know New York has a bunch of podcasters like that who are like famous without being household names, you know, sure. like, we, and you're obviously not going to like recognize them as readily, yeah. but yeah. Like us. Um, Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so his main thing, you know, he, that he talks about is like gay history and like how gay people have kind of lived on the fringes for a long time. He's very passionate about that sort of thing. He's been single for a long time, never been in a serious relationship, uh, hooks up a lot on Grinder. And this movie is about his sort of like growing relationship with a, a guy who is like totally his opposite, who, you know, is definitely a little bit more reserved than him. But they they do have some things in common, which is that they both like to like make fun of other gay people. And they kind of have a sweet relationship. And I'll be honest, like when this movie kicks off, 
I was definitely worried because I honestly think like the first 20 minutes was a little rough for me. It's like, as we're kind of like getting into this world, I found Eichner really grating. I found a lot of the writing to be just kind of like really exposition-y, like really just like, okay, like he's literally like answering weird questions from people about his own personal life so that we can get into the world. And I was like, can we can we have like jokes now? <laughs> and like it, the jokes start to come in a little bit more. I, th- I think like this is one of those rare movies where I think the best part of the movie is the second act. Usually people like the first act or maybe they like the ending most, the climax and all that. This movie I think is at its best in the middle and it's a long middle, which is cool. But uh, yeah, did, did you agree? <laughs> yeah, I definitely was a little worried at the beginning because it's kind of wobbly, like you said, especially from a screenwriting standpoint. Like it's a lot of like, hi, I'm the main character of the movie and I'm on a podcast so I can explain what's going on in my life rather than just showing you. I'm just going to tell you what's going on. Oh, wait, I have to go to this dinner. More explaining to do. I'm at an award show. I got some more explaining. Right. Um, Because like we cut, we've seen it before. Like there have been rom-coms where the character will do that while they're writing in their diary or something or just be like voiceover. And it's always pretty lazy. And so I was a little bit like, ah, this again. All right. I mean, unless unless you're Paul Schrader, just cut that out. (laughs) <laughs> okay um but yeah i was gonna say um yeah i don't know i, I was definitely concerned in the first half because it was just like well yeah this, this just seems like not great screenwriting because it's just all these characters just clearly in the service of explaining what's going on with the main character uh but yeah i think the movie gets a little bit more uh lived in a little bit more casual more sure yeah, a little bit more. I feel agreeable. like it, it hits its yeah. groove, like when the relationship starts at like not the fully form, but like when the two mains like meet each other and they start to like interact more fully for the first time. And then as it that grows, like that whole segment, I think is where the movie I felt like was really like polished. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, that party scene is where like I remember I had my first like genuine laugh, and it was just like the explanation of the Zellweger app. Which I yeah, thought yeah. was a pretty funny pretty good. idea. Um, yeah, it was just like okay, like now we're kind of getting into more comfortable waters. Like things seem a little bit more even keeled now. Things, and you know, it's actually a little bit more genuinely conversational. It's not just like you know one character just kind of talking and then other characters there to allow the other character, the main character, I mean, to uh, explain what's going on. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I definitely I, I found myself getting with it as it went along, but you have to kind of get past that that wobbly first uh is it really 20 minutes i don't remember exactly it might have been i feel like it was 20 it could have been a little bit less a little bit more but yeah you know i mean i will say i mean this is like a two-hour film i'm you know it's a judd apatow production i really wish he would just produce more 105 minute long movies like yeah this is 15 minutes too long yeah, I was going to say, and it's all in that beginning. <laughs> you just cut that down or you just condense it or just, you know, uh, you know, find a way to shorten it down to, you know, a nice 105 minute runtime. I feel like this movie loses some of its problems. Sure. Yeah, there, there are some segments, especially toward uh, I'll kind of all throughout this movie that I felt like, yeah, you don't, you don't really need that part. And like the editing could have maybe cleaned this up a bit so that it's uh, a little bit mm. like more efficient. But yeah, you know what really like, surprises me about this movie, though? Oh, no. Mm. Go ahead. I was gonna say like the gym stuff, maybe. 
Yeah, so, yeah, like yeah. that, and you know the the Deborah Messing thing. I was a little bit like, uh, feels like uh, you just wanted Deborah Messing in for a minute. Uh, I actually, I don't know. I enjoyed the Deborah Messing thing, especially because of late. I feel like she's built a reputation for being kind of this like clueless sure. celebrity who's out I of get touch. It. So I find it be very uh, gratifying that she was willing to just like kind of be the butt of the joke, and in some respects, I guess, for this movie, it felt fun. But okay, so. I'm actually kind of surprised by what I liked about this movie. Because going into it, I was like, I feel like it's Nicholas Storr. And I think what I tend to like from his movies is I just think that they tend to be consistently funny and like they have some emotion. They have some heart. This, this movie though has like a different kind of emotion and heart to it. I think is like, not that different for for this director, but I think that's where like Eichner's talents come in, and that's like this movie is just really sweet. Like it, it's very like it's sentimental in the right ways. Like there there are these sequences. Like there's one in particular on a beach where it's just the two characters kind of just hanging out. You know, like we've we've kind of gotten past the meet cute stuff. We've kind of gotten past like the sort of will they won't they could they should they, and we're just sort of settling into like what a relationship between these two men is really like, and there was something about it that I think was just like very touching. It was just very like, it, it felt different. Like it felt true to the queer experience, but there was like a way in, you know, for, for people who, you know, maybe they're queer and haven't had that experience yet in a serious relationship, or maybe they're straight people, you know, like me who are like, Oh, you never been in a queer relationship, but like, it's kind of demonstrated through the movie of like, this is kind of like a window into that. That's kind of interesting. And like, we've, we've seen that like in other things, like there've been, you know, TV shows and all that, but it was, it was like different. It was, it was, there was like a little bit more of like a, a sweetness to it. That was uh, interesting to me. And I, I would also say too, uh, the movie pays a lot of attention, careful attention to, I think, how different queer relationships are from straight relationships on that note. And I think that's this movie's biggest strength. Like, I, th- I think that it, like, really hangs its hat on how, you know, it's about sort of, like, the different dynamics and the different challenges that queer people have, specifically, in this case, white gay men. Um, and it doesn't really go, like, any deeper than that in terms of like you know racial stuff or anything like that it's just kind of keeping it to these two white men they're from totally different worlds they're they have different levels of how comfortable they are with their sexuality and how they present themselves and you know all that stuff without sort of pretending like it's not trying to do this like uh glamorized thing where it's like there's no prejudice in the world or like there are no challenges it's the same thing like there's a whole thing in the movie where they he he literally like comments on that it's just like people try to make it seem like oh it's the same or sort of like uh oh just do like a a gay movie you know he's like looking at the camera like do a gay movie but it's like a straight people movie and he's like you can't because that's not how it is it's something that i really liked about fire island because that movie explored that and that's something this movie does which i think it does pretty well uh but what what did you think well yeah i mean well if you're going to compare it to fire island i mean certainly i guess a big uh difference between the two is just that um, a movie like Fire Island is coming from, uh, I believe the director's name was um, Andrew Hahn, who comes from like a primarily like indie background. So right. that movie was kind of blending like having a kind of more grounded indie, aste- indie aesthetic, but having, you know, kind of the broad beats of a uh, ro- romantic comedy. But, you know, obviously being subversive because it's with an LGBTQ cast. And, you know, it's kind of blending three or four different worlds together into what I think to be is a pretty good film overall with that one. But, yeah, I think we were talking about this a little bit off the air. That's a film where I think that movie starts off really strong. And then kind of by, like, the third act, it kind of it doesn't get bad. I think, like, the last scene of that movie is really strong, but it kind of it doesn't, I think, 
consistently stay as strong as it is in that opening like first hour or so. And I think this movie is sort of like the opposite where it kind of gradually gets better and better as it goes along. And then it kind of fizzles a little bit, but then I think it gets strong again in like the last like 30 minutes or so. And then it won me over all over again. And I was just like, yeah, it's that Nicholas Stoller touch, I think, or sure. maybe it's the Apatow touch, whichever it is, where I think, yeah, like, like you said, he can be consistently funny or he can, you know, follow the funny enough, but he's not forgetting the characters in the process. Like, I think he's aware of like the character growth, the emotional beats of it. And I think, you know, coming from a writer background, I think he recognizes that, but he doesn't, you know, uh, forget to bring the funny in the process. I think that, you know, makes it a pretty agreeable film once you get past the initial hiccups of the opening sequences. Yeah, you know, I don't have a ton of complaints with this movie. I mean, it, it kind of has its own sort of thing where it, it has to do the typical romantic comedy, like blow up between the characters, right? And I think that it, it feels a little bit for us. It feels a little bit more of like, I mean, I, I have, I'm of two minds of it. I'll say real quick. Sure. I think okay. on the one hand, I think it's a little bit, a little bit like contrived. Like we have to have this moment. So this is how it's going to get set up. On the other hand, I do like the way that it ultimately that they handle it. Stoller and Eichner and them like they kind of balance it of like, okay, it's not really, this is the problem. It's this. And it, that was something where I was like, okay, that's a way in to like explore the dynamic in this relationship where I think it's more interesting than where it's, it kind of like leads in right so i kind of liked that i thought that that was uh it was a way to kind of like okay we have to have this because it's a romantic mm-hmm. comedy but let's at least do it a little bit better yeah as i say i mean yeah because it gets to that point where it's just like all right things are going too well we have to have the dramatic blowout moment and i agree with you it felt like the setup of it felt a little forced but i actually really liked the dinner sequence because it didn't feel like uh, you know, I, I understand where both characters are coming from. It didn't feel like one person just had to be like a like a dick for no reason. Like I think both of them, it's like understand like they're they're both kind of being jerks in that scenario, but it's understandable where both are coming from. And I think the characters are well written enough that moment where it's just like, yeah, I can see why this character wants this other guy to act like this, but it is kind of inconsiderate for him to ask that, but also, you know, in the same scenario, like I can see why this character is getting so impassionate and is, uh, you know, vocalizing his thoughts, but he's also not really reading the room and he's being, you know, disrespectful to the family. So it's like, I can kind of see where both are coming from where I guess I kind of took issues. Just like, there's a sequence after that where they have to extend it in order to right, get to the exactly. final emotional climax. And it's like that scene where it's like, okay, this feels really forced. Like I, I like the setup of it. I think that's a really strong scene, but then after that, it's just like, okay, this feels forced this feels superfluous just because we have to get to this other scene for the emotional climax of it and that's where i took issue <laughs> yeah um I'll, I'll admit though you know for for all those things i i just thought it was cool to see like the typical romantic comedy kind of get this sort of like like kind of like re not even reimagining but just sort of like re-exploration of like well what can a romantic comedy be and it yeah sure it follows those beats it follows those formulas but i i think like ultimately it does it well enough right so i I am a little bit baffled of like you know people like it and everything do you think that it's gonna like find more popularity or people are gonna eventually get to it or you know what's holding back this movie i i don't know i mean i I wonder if it is just sort of a matter of wrong, wrong time for this kind of movie. Like people just aren't in the mood for a romantic comedy in October. Uh, mm-hmm. But is there something else to it? You know, like I'm, it, I, I'm curious what you think of the marketing 
actually. Because I saw I mean, some people be like, oh, the marketing was all wrong, right? And people were like, well, you don't, you don't hype up enough that this is Nicholas Stoller and that this is the guy who made Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And I'm like, well, I, I saw that on like the posters. I feel like they mentioned right. it in the trailer. Like, what else do you want? They do. Yeah, they yeah. do. Um, yeah, and they mentioned the Judd Apatow factor as well. I don't know. I mean, the trailer wasn't great, but I don't think it like falsely sold the movie. But I mean, I think the issue I've seen some people take is uh, as far as like the the marketing circle for the film goes, uh, Billy Eichner has uh, in several interviews kind of acted like, oh, this is like one of the first major LGBTQ movies ever. And to some respect, that's true, but he's kind of acting like this is like a true like no one's ever done something like this before. Uh, at least from like the little sound bites people keep sharing like on Twitter and all that, and it's. But is that enough to keep people away from the movie? That, I don't that's think the thing I'm a little keeping... bit more skeptical of. It's like, okay, no, he I was mean, a little cringe, but is that really like a factor right. here? And as I mentioned uh, at a different point in our smile review, if people were being annoying was a deterrent for films, I, we wouldn't cover a <laughs> yeah. lot of films. Um, but no, I, I was just gonna say that like watching the film, and I was kind of curious how you felt about this. There is, uh, you know, the film is commenting a lot on the genre in a way that I, I wonder if that might uh, take people out of it as far as, like, it keeps, like, talking about, like, the place of LGBT cinema in the film and to a point where it's, like, almost trying to be kind of meta about it in a very, you know, obviously Billy Eichner sort of way. He's very pop culture aware for anyone that watches Billy on the street. Um, you know, I, I think it makes sense for his style, but I do wonder if that's going to be kind of grating for people who just want to go in and watch, you know, a kind of a charming romantic comedy, you know, that just happens to feature two gay men instead of, you know, a traditional, normal, heteronormative couple. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember the trailer really well. I only saw it the once. I think like when it was before Elvis. And I do remember getting that feeling of like, oh, yeah, I know what this comedy kind of is going for. Um, and I was sort of like, yeah, I, I, I'm it. Like, it looks funny. But that, that's the thing that's just kind of confusing me about it, you know. And I, I saw somebody tweet. They were like, you know, they were like, this is really sad. But uh, I wonder if I can even find it. But yeah, this person was like, when this person tweeted, it's Brooks Barnes, who I think is at New York Times. He said, when the reviews are this sensational, the marketing support is this substantive, and the theatrical footprint is this wide, and ticket sales are nonetheless this poor, it's sadly very sadly suggests complete marketplace rejection. And I, I don't buy that, right? Like, I do think that there's there are always going to be factors in this movie's way. But first of all, I don't think it's complete marketplace rejection, right? I think there is an appetite for these movies, but I think it's closer to what you were saying um, when we right before we talked about Smile on the last thing, where it's like, I do think this is more of a thing where people are like, I'll just watch this on streaming. And then, yeah, there's a lot of people who are like, I'm not going to watch it because, you know, I'm homophobic or whatever. And I think there are even more people are just sort of like, eh, they're not that into romantic comedies in general. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of funny thing about the movie is that it's sort of having it both ways. Like it's playing into conventions, but it's also trying to subvert them at certain points. I think that's where I think maybe the third act kind of gets wobbly in a, in a different way than the first act is kind of wobbly is that it's sort of, you know, obviously with the museum itself, it's like coming on the history of LGBT uh, representation and historical figures, but it's also trying to be like, I just, we just want to play into it in the same way that like happy season did uh, yeah. a couple years ago. 
Yeah, which um, did well, you know? And imagine if this had come out on Netflix. I, I'm kind of curious, like, if this had been well, a Netflix thing or... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I do think there's something to be said about, like, a movie, even if it's not very good, does get a little bit more legitimized if it is in theaters. That's true. And I think I think we're seeing that with streaming when, like, something like Uncharted goes to netflix like it's on there in the top 10 for a while not because it's any good but because well sorry i know you like that movie um yeah but, i like the dumb uncharted <laughs> movie come on but i mean not because like it's a acclaimed uh you know uh conversation starting film but it's like oh i remember when that was in theaters i didn't get a chance to watch that but i'm on a plane now let me watch uncharted and it's just like yeah i mean i think it, bros for better for worse i think it might have a little bit more longevity because it did go to theaters and people are like oh i heard about that i saw it marketed and all that in a way that i feel like fire island was uh you know i i don't think it got the same publicity and i, I don't know if people are as aware of it compared to bros i mean certainly a lot of people saw it yeah but i mean i, I did, did see one tweet i gotta tell you about bros that was really funny okay. somebody said i'll probably wait for this to come out on disney plus <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah, man uh it's pretty good but pretty good. yeah yeah pretty good um yeah because i guess in certain countries fire island did go to disney plus didn't it as it should have put I mean, it on like, all disney plus thank cause, you because disney plus is only like a u.s thing right like other countries have like something called star or like all these like uh i'm not fully disney aware plus. i don't know if disney disney plus might be in like north america at large but i'm, I'm not 100 percent sure Okay, or maybe, I don't know, I forget what it is, but, like, I know, like, The Last Duel was, like, on Disney Plus in certain countries and stuff, and people are, like... I feel like I was able weird. to watch Disney Plus stuff when I was overseas. <laughs> I don't know. I, I by no means... Yeah, it's in 50 countries, at okay. least. No, 50 know. new countries as of June 2022. It's it's okay. worldwide, Will Ashton. I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm mostly retained to the United States, so I will not speak to any international 61 matters. countries, Disney+. Plus, North America, On, Europe, Asia, and in Latin America. Will Ashen, it's out there. Sure. I don't know. In any case, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with this. I, I know. Forget. I keep ruining your train of thought. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> I'm I sorry. Know, but, no, that's all right. Um, yeah. Good movie. Uh, what did you think of... Uh, the other guy, the, the other main guy, uh, his the other name, guys? uh, Luke McFarlane. Was that the one? Oh, okay. Yeah. This is like his first movie ever, right? Uh, let me look into that. Cause I, I didn't recognize him. I, I assume he's a TV guy, but, uh, let's find out. So no, he's been in movies. Let's see. He was in single all the way as James Canadian Christmas romantic comedy. looks like a Hallmark. Oh, oh. no, it was a Netflix thing. Oh, that reminds yeah, me Netflix. all the Hallheart stuff, uh, in this movie, big last for me uh yeah a holly poly christmas was so funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> this is really some good laughs it yeah. really does um he's been in a lot of uh tv stuff uh as i guessed uh, a lot of tv a lot of hallmark television movies looks like he has been in all kinds of like you know playing a straight guy uh he's also done a lot of stuff on stage he's been on shows as big as supergirl yeah he's well known i feel like he has a familiar face but like you know not that familiar you know like where you can really spot him uh, sure. So this is a really cool uh, career turn for the guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, doesn't get as many chances, I feel like, to be funny. Like, obviously, like, I feel like of the two, Billy Eichner is the one that's kind of throwing out more jokes. And he's uh, ironically Do you want to talk about man. Billy Eichner? We didn't really uh, do our uh, usual sort of like, let's talk about Nicholas Stoller and let's talk about Billy Eichner. What do we think of them? Sure. But yeah, we talk about Billy Eichner. It's his big uh, 
cinematic showcase. You know, obviously, don't forget the Lion King. Oh well, yeah. Uh, I I really like one of my favorite jokes in the movie. I don't want to give it away, but there there are a couple of references. There's to uh, Shit's Creek that I think are fantastic. Um, and I I don't think you've ever seen that show, but they're really good. Uh, I've seen Uh, like a couple episodes. Okay, all right. Um, Okay, all right. I think uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Billy Eichner. I I know him better for things on TV. You know, he hasn't done a lot of like film stuff where like he's done voice acting more than anything else and like little roles. But uh, I think Noel was like the last live action thing he was in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally forgot about that movie. I did for a second until I looked it up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, no, he's in a lot of TV stuff. Uh, I think that one of the first times I came into came into contact with his stuff was probably Parks and Rec. It was either Parks and Rec or New Girl. Um, but then I remember watching Difficult People, that show he did with, oh, what was her name? Um, uh, I can't, I can't remember the name of the other person in that show that he did it with, but I thought that was a funny show, but I I couldn't get past the first season. Like after the first season, I was good. Um, uh, Julie Klosner, that's who it is. Oh yeah. The one who like created the show. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. As I say, I mean, that's one of those shows, uh, it was on my watch list for for a while. Never got around to it. Heard it was good. Um, you know, and, and also a show I feel like people said, you know, too short lived, like it should have ran for another few more seasons, but didn't get them. But I wonder, I mean, I mean I, I'm curious, yeah, three seasons. I'm curious if they ended on their own terms, you know? I don't know. I can't speak on that. But I will say, I mean, I already mentioned it, but I feel like my main point of reference and awareness to Billy Eichner is uh, Billy on the Street. Which yeah, Billy on the Street is that was tremendously uh, funny. I, I was aware of Billy on the street, but I know that that's kind of what got him like attention leading into Parks and Rec. But I didn't watch Billy on the street until much later. Uh, okay. I think around the time I was watching Difficult People. So I was like probably like 2015 ish around yeah. that time. And I think, uh, yeah, uh, Billy on the street kind of feels the same uh, place for me as like whose lines anyway, in a weird way where it's just like something I can just kind of go into a YouTube Mm-hmm. rabbit hole with and just like watch clip after clip after clip and if i'm in a you know kind of sad or angry mood it'll just lift my spirits and be like yeah you know <laughs> it's just funny stuff i mean i'm not like a big i don't know if i'd say that's like a prank show per se but you know you're, you're kind of accosting people and the joke is just kind of like billy's getting people off guard and all that and normally that kind of thing doesn't uh always sway me but i yeah, think i get something it about- i get that his shtick isn't for everybody it just isn't but but I was going to say, like, I feel like he's just very innately kind of charismatic in that show. Like, I feel like another performer wouldn't be able to sell that. But there's just something about the way he just gets, like, so inflammatory about, like, random pop culture things and just, like, expects everyone at a moment's notice to, like, have the same level of interest or awareness of, like, the Tony Awards or, you know, the casting call for, like, some random thing. And just, like, I don't know. I just think it's, it's a pretty funny uh, show. But I was very curious, like... You know, those segments are like, what, like five minutes a piece and like the episodes are maybe like half an hour. It's like, how is that going to translate into a two hour film? Uh, And I think, you know, I was pretty impressed overall as far as I was able to uh, translate that, uh, you know, kind of prickly star power into a film. But I agree with you that the character, while deliberately so, uh, could be quite annoying. Can I can I tell you, though, my favorite Billy Eichner performance? And no, it's not Simone. But okay. uh, I know you never watched Dickinson, but he plays Walt Whitman in uh, that Dickinson. show. It's really good. It's really, really freaking funny. Um, 
but yeah, he's uh, for people who don't know, Dickinson is sort of this like uh, purposely anachronistic, like Emily Dickinson show where the characters basically like act like they're in like our current time, but it's like, it's silly. I mean, John Mulaney plays, uh, well, the guy who wrote a uh, Walden, Henry David Thoreau. Uh, it was very, very funny. Uh, lots of great boy, uh, guest actors in that one. But yeah, if you're, if you're, if you want a good Billy Eichner that you might not have caught already, uh, Dickinson is a great place to go. I think, I think that was the second season that that came out. I was like, maybe yeah. it was the third season. I mean, we didn't really talk about, uh, how, Billy Eichner, I guess, has a working relationship with Nicholas Stoller outside of this film because I think he was on Friends with or Friends from College. Friends from College. He was in a lot of that show. Uh, um, I never watched. Which that I show. did not like that show. Okay, I never. Watched I that was pretty bad. Um, but that said, I only watched the first season, so I don't know how the later seasons were. Um, so were there more than two? I think there were two. There might have. Okay. I don't think there were three, but I'd have mm-hmm. to look that up. But he was also, I believe, he was in Neighbors 2, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember him in Neighbors 2. It's been a while. I thought he was in Neighbors 2. He might have been. I, don't know. Uh, I, I can so. look it up for you, Will Ashton. I got your back. Thank you. Um, Thank you for being a friend. Yeah. Uh, but I, I like <laughs> Nicholas Stoller, if that's what we're we're sure, gearing yeah, into. I mean, um, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. He had a, he had a real Neighbors 2. I see it here. Um, but uh, I like Nicholas Stoller. I, I mean, okay. The movies that have worked. Let's talk about those. Um, I think forgetting Sarah Marshall, wise, I think is his best. Go ahead. Oh, sure. I was going to say, I mean, I think he hasn't really faulted film wise. I don't think at this point as a director, as a director, his writing credits are where things get a little bit dicier. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, you know, that's very true. We don't have a friend of the show, Matt Serafini here, but if, if we did, we could, we could let him let us know about Muppets most wanted. Cause I don't remember anything about that movie. Oh, good uh, movie. except for a couple of memes. Fun movie. I like that movie. I don't like get him to the Greek. I thought that movie was oh, a, I like a slog. That. I, I like that movie, all right. I couldn't it's get definitely... into it. And I, I, like the, I like the idea, let's do more spinoffs, sure, but... Uh. Mm. Uh, yeah, yes, I... man, I'm curious how that aged. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I remember being underwhelmed by that movie because it's based on one of my favorite memoirs. I remember being whelmed, so yeah. take that as you can. Gulliver's Travels, no thank you. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah I skipped bad. fun with Dick and Jane. Um, <laughs> Boy, yeah, I forgot about that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is the original Muppets. He did write that, and he was an executive producer, and mm-hmm. love that Muppets movie from 2011. I think it's really good. Yeah. I think a lot of his better stuff is with uh, Jason Siegel, with the exception sure. of uh, Sex Five Tape. Five-year engagement. Oh. I was going to say, didn't he co-write Sex Tape? He co-wrote Sex Tape, uh, which uh, I didn't watch because of self-care. Wow. And uh, I, I also, yeah. you know, five-year engagement i thought was fine i i don't think it was that yeah. remarkable he he did I mean, direct and write that one right yeah I, well he co-wrote it with uh jason siegel i thought it was like the definition of average that was another film where go, i was like yeah. this is too long but and it it doesn't really handle the shifts in tone as well as uh forgetting sarah marshall but it's like yeah you know right decent Very- decent watch good rental i rented that film i was like good rental yeah, sure. It's a, it's definitely one of those like Apatow produced kind of things. Like you know it when you see it. Now, Neighbors, you know, interestingly enough, another I, I think like his his best movies he didn't write or co-write. Forgetting Sarah mm-hmm. Marshall, he didn't write that. Neighbors, mm-hmm. he just directed it, and yeah, I think Neighbors, those movies are really great. Uh, the first one I think is good. I mean, the second one I thought was fine. Neighbors two was fine. Sure, uh, Zoolander uh, two he did he did uh, I yeah. think co-write and. 
Though I do remember uh, Neighbors 2, uh, it was like one of those things where like, hey, you like Neighbors? Everyone was like, yeah. It's like, how about Neighbors 2? It's just like, we don't want this. It's like, what? It's like, we we were good on the first one. It's like, why didn't you tell us that earlier? We made a whole sequel. It's like, sorry. Um. I, I, yeah. I was going to mention too. I, I, I got to be fair. Technically, Zoolander two had a lot of writers on it, so oh, I, you know you can't really look at Stiller too deeply for that. Where but do you? I did. Uh, I did think on? that the Stiller cameo was kind of. Oh sorry? yeah. Uh, so no, I was just uh, sorry. Go ahead. We're stepping on each other's toes all all day mm. today, and I like it. Yeah. But right. It's because we can't fight about these movies. We agree too much. A couple of Billy Eichner's on this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, storks. Excited. Storks. That's what I was going to bring up. Good movie. I like Storks. I like yeah. that movie. Underrated. It's very solid. Yeah. Wrote and directed that. Yeah. Um, I know. So he there did, you go. He, hey, he, uh, he wrote, I don't know if he co-wrote it, but uh, he wrote Captain Underpants, first epic movie. Oh boy. Yeah. You better believe he did. That's, that's, that's a I'm movie like, that Will Ashton likes. Yeah. That's why I always, he's always in my corner. I'm just like, you know, sometimes... Yeah. He'll write a movie. I'm like, that was a stinky poo. Don't, that was no good. But then he's like, don't worry, Will. I got your back. Here's a Captain Underpants movie. He's like, Nick, I knew I could count on you, bud. And <laughs> yeah, because you know. uh, yeah, his next his next writing credit. It's a partial writing credit. Is Night School, which is unfortunate. Oof, it, that might be the worst one. Yeah, I think so. He has. Uh, he was executive producer of Smallfoot uh, with the you know the Storks connection. Uh, he, oh I think, was a co-writer. Um, cause I think there were, I remember there'd be multiple writers for Dora and the lost city of gold, which oh, yeah. uh, I thought was good. That was a fun movie. Yeah. Not yeah. great. That was Pretty right. good. That was all right. Split the difference. Yeah. And then nothing else from Stoller in the, the movie or TV side. Um, because yeah, I think friends from college had its last season in 2019. Dora came out 2019. We didn't get anything else from him until not bros, but DC league of super pets, which he was an executive producer. And then bros. Yeah. Um, so fortunately, yeah. I mean, looking at all those, I mean, Neighbors 2 underperformed, Storks, I think, underperformed, Dora underperformed, Friends from College underperformed, Bros underperformed. Did Dora underperform? I thought it did fine. Oh, yeah, that was a big flop. No, that was a flop. I remember that. It made $120 million international off a $49 million budget. That's not a flop. I mean, it probably okay. broke even. Well, I just remember the initial projections were like, this is well under expectations but then i don't know maybe it maybe quietly rebounded i didn't i I have a feeling that was the case and we just we weren't paying attention and uh storks storks didn't flop either i'm looking at 183 million at the box office 70 million budget we're good all right that's yeah it's not a money maker but it's going okay well i was gonna be worried that he was in his uh flop era but i guess he is not i mean those are uh, to be fair you know, uh, Dora, he only co-wrote, right? So we can't, you know, get too excited. And, I, you know, I, I imagine Storks and Neighbors 2, I, I feel like they probably movies they expected more out of. I don't remember how much Neighbors 2 made, but uh, I, I, I don't think it was that much. Like, I think it made money, but it wasn't uh, near sort of like what Neighbors did. Because Neighbors was like a, a right. genuine bona fide hit. I think that movie was like almost $300 million at the box office. Well, I want to say Neighbors 2 was like... Less than half of that. I mean, it's. I thought it was like kind of similar to like Happy Death Day to you situation where when you make a sequel, mm. you want it to do, you know, twice as well as the first movie. Yeah, not twice office. as less. And yeah, I feel like both like that movie and um, 
happy death day to you like kind of did like well under what the first movie did and so maybe it broke even i don't know but it definitely didn't uh reach the expectations of universal studios i see a few things on the horizon for stoller uh his next movie that he worked on is animal farm which it looks like he's a writing credit but no word yet on if it's a co-writing credit you mean, um, uh, but like a george orwell yeah, I think so. Of, oh wow! Okay, all right. Um, all right. That's the one. Uh, I think uh, Andy Circus is directing. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's gonna be yeah. weird. Yeah, I mean, we haven't heard. <laughs> I haven't heard anything about it since like earlier this year, like like beginning of this year. So I don't know where it's at. But uh, also, he has a couple shows. I mean, he's uh, executive producer on that Goosebumps show. That's his. Uh, I think uh, I forget who's making it, but that is going to happen. Uh, and then uh, something called Platonic. Which uh, I hadn't I haven't heard of until I just saw it here, but that's an Apple TV Plus thing um, that he created and directed, wrote. So that's uh, his next, I guess, friends from college sort of project, I imagine. But yeah, okay. Nick Stoller, there he is. There he is. Made some good movies. Yeah, made some not so good movies as a screenwriter. Should we play the Rotten Tomatoes game? Sure. All right. Well, let's look at Bros. Here. No, uh, no final thoughts on Bros. Though. I feel like we covered it. Good movie. Okay. Not a lot of complaints. Yeah. Yeah, pretty minor good. complaints in the scheme of things, yeah. Pretty good. Left feeling good. Yep. Had a good time at the movies. I kind of wish it was shorter and stronger overall, but I think sure. the highs are good highs. Agreed. Um, My audience was into it. Yeah. All right. But let's see if the audience on Rotten Tomatoes is into it. Who knows? All right. I'm looking at that tomato here, Rolashin, and I think you said that you got spoiled on some stuff. Uh, I think you said I you got, got spoiled, spoiled on... Yeah. The cinema score, which is an okay. A. Let's get it and out of the way. Spoiled. Yeah, an A cinema score. Fantastic. Very good. This is, very the first high. Time, this is the first time that the star of the movie spoiled the cinema score for me. Yeah, usually it's like the, the studio or a critic or somebody, a uh, variety. Somebody's going to do it. Discussing film. But uh, discussing film, the outlet, not the concept. Yeah. Yeah, the discussing uh, film uh, is what spoiled the smile cinema score for me. Ah, uh, I week. see. I see. Yeah, they, they post those pretty regularly now, so you're probably going to have to unsubscribe watch or mute the term cinema score. But sometimes I think they do put the like uh, the image, so yeah, it could still pop up. Who knows? But okay, bros. Tomato meter, we have 129 reviews counted, so uh, very similar to smile. Uh, just like eight more, it looks like. But uh, what are you? what's your best guess, Washington? I'm going to say 84%. Ooh, you're, you're way off. Very far away from Ooh. where you were on Smile. Um, mm. Yeah, you're seven off. Oh. I think it's pretty obvious, like, which direction it's tied. Oh, okay. It's, yeah, yeah. It's certified fresh. It's a uh, 91%. Me too. Oh, 91. Okay. I, yeah. My math was slightly off. Okay, so 91 That's really oh. good. For a, a studio comedy hitting theaters, that's pretty good. Uh, I, I don't think we see that super often, like in the 90s for these kinds of movies. Uh, that's like Big Sick territory, I think. Like, I don't even remember if Big Sick was in the 90s. Might have been 90s, closer to the 80s. But mm-hmm. uh, I'd have to double check. Oh, that. yeah. Forgot to ask. What do you think about that spoiler alert trailer? Speaking of Michael Showalter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it it kind of reminded me of the She-Hulk spoiling the Sopranos thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big Sick is 98%. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Audience score. Okay. What are we thinking? 250 one? plus verified ratings. I guess uh, I'll have to find your thoughts on the spoiler alert trailer later. The audience score, I'm going to guess. Uh, shot in the dark. I'm going to say 
Even further off. Okay, I thought you are your one, finger is not on the pulse of this movie, Washington. Well, the reason I thought this one would be kind of low is because I know historically Rotten Tomatoes audience score can sometimes attract some, you know, bad faith people who maybe have some strong negative feelings towards the LGBTQ plus community. So I thought they might have tampered with the score, unfortunately, a little bit. Yeah, I don't I don't know uh, if it's just being targeted as much. I think that tends to happen a lot with like Disney movies, uh, movies that are more like, you know, if it honestly, I tend to see it more with like sexist stuff, you know, like Marvel movies with like where women Uh, get to be interesting characters. Um, ladies then, uh, get to be Ghostbusters or something. Yeah, like Ghostbusters stuff, you know. I think like straight up homophobia. I you I don't know if it's as much of a thing with like Rotten Tomatoes, but uh, uh, unfortunately that could change any second, right? Uh, but no, it's a ninety-two percent, so one percent higher than the critic score. But that's the thing. I think yeah, critics Next. and audiences agree. I want to. I want this movie to be my bro, bro. All right. So we already said the cinema score was an A. Now on Letterboxd.com. Kind of, kind of fulfilling the prophecy here. Only eleven thousand watches as of this recording, so half that of Smile, uh, less than half that. And uh, what about the average rating, though? So, what do you think, Will Ashen, from zero to five? Where are we at on the letterbox? Um, gonna guess the same thing I said for Smile, three point six. Oh, see, you redeemed yourself in the end. I was very, very close. Three point seven. You're only one away. Well All done. Right. Thank um, you. Yeah, and I'm kind of looking at my letterbox is uh, most like almost everybody is a three or higher. I see like one, two and a half, and that's it. Um, but yeah, friend of the show Clint Worthington gave it a three. Uh, I'm seeing Emma Sassick, friend of the show, gave it a four. Alex Billington, three and a half. Rendy Jones with the four and a half stars. I'm seeing a bunch of four and a halves. How fun is that? Amanda the Jedi is a three and a half. Yeah, I think that's all pretty spot on. I'm like a three and a half. So yeah, there you go. I was seeing if uh, anyone was negative on my feed. Yeah, uh, yeah, a few, but not not below a two and a half. Like you know, even the people that don't like it that much are just kind of like, eh. No, that, yeah, if you dislike it, I, I yeah, sure, I'm sure there's gonna be people who dislike it, but it's definitely not like a one star or anything like that. Yeah, That's just I, I think it's, I think it's a pretty good film. That is Bros. It's out in theaters now, sure. and uh, yeah, I mean, if you just want some alone time, go to the theater. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, no, okay, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> sure <laughs> you don't want to be around anybody that's mean i don't I like mean, that okay right. we'll see you on the next one thank you so much for listening to us talk about movies from the internet yeah. california i'm john negroni and for you pennsylvania i'm washington see you next time